Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. How would you feel if I were to say the phrase, you're killing me, Smalls? Yeah, it might make you feel good because it was a feel-good movie. If you saw The Sandlot, you'd enjoy that. Now, if you were an athlete and I said, man, you are the goat. Now, surprisingly, that should make you feel good because goat means the greatest of all times, right? There are many phrases that bring about an emotional response. What if I were to say the phrase, the N-word? I'm not saying what that actually is, but we all know what it means. And for some people, it's a level of pain and hurt that we can't fathom. It's an incredible emotional response just from a word. How about some other words or phrases you might hear? How do these make you feel? There's been an accident. You have cancer. You are fired. I'm having an affair. I'm pregnant. Every one of these brings about an emotional response. Now, we all remember this from our childhood that Pastor Phil reminded us about. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. Words don't hurt? Are we sure? What about, I hate you. You are worthless. You are ugly. Nobody likes you. Words do hurt. But the good news is that words can heal. I'm here for you. I care about you. I forgive you. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Yeah, words do hurt but words can heal. As Pastor Phil mentioned, my name is Marcy Kenny, and I am the Groups and Care Director here, and I'm excited to continue this sermon series on words. Now, last week, Pastor Phil talked about the words of death, words that lie, argue, curse, gossip, And we learned one very useful verse to memorize is set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't we all need that? (laughs) Now, as we continue this discussion on words today, I'm gonna focus on the impact our words can have and how to make sure that the impact we intend for them to have is actually the impact they have, or more importantly, what is the impact our words should have? We must learn to ask ourselves before speaking, are these words going to hurt someone or are they going to heal someone? Now in James chapter three, we learn 
what can happen when we choose the wrong words. And we're going to talk more about that later. But I wanted to tell you that in every chapter of James, he mentions the power of the tongue. He clearly realized the impact and the role that it plays in human lives, but especially in Christian living. Because one of the easiest sins to commit is the sin of harsh words. They just pop out of our mouths before we know it. Who here has ever had a disease called foot in the mouth disease? Oh yeah, pretty much every one of us. And it's, here's the thing that James wants us to know and the point that he wants us to make. As Christians, we must learn to control our words. That we have an obligation to tame our tongue. To realize that others, they are listening to us and they are learning from us. Who's ever had a toddler repeat words that they wish they hadn't? Yeah. And non-Christians, they are listening to us in the same way. And they're going to repeat what we hear. In chapter 1, James called out those that say they are Christian. And unfortunately, it's not a very good call out. He said in verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. By not keeping a tight rein on our tongues, James is telling us that our religion becomes worthless. What he is essentially saying is that if we are not sounding Christian, then are we really being Christian? Are we setting a good example to those around us? Because Paul made it clear in 1 Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So what example are your words setting? Are they following the example of Christ? So what example did Christ set with his words? Mm. Jesus encouraged us with his words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus gave us hope with his words. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And Jesus comforted us with our words. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What are others learning from your words? Because it's not just do unto others, right? It's also say unto others. Now James goes on to say in chapter three, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Is there both praise and cursing coming out of our mouths? Because if we love our Lord, if we honor him, if we are regularly 
praising God, then James says we should not be cursing other humans because other humans are made in the image of God. He's essentially saying when we speak ill of others, we're speaking ill of God, and this should not be. Now, James gives us several examples of the severe impact our words can have because we might think that the impact our words have, even if they're not good words, that the impact is just temporary, that even if we say the wrong thing, that's okay. They're going to forget about it later. But we all remember song lyrics from our childhood. We can all quote a thousand movie lines, and we all remember something that was said to us a long time ago that made an impact. I, I remember from high school something that was said to me, and yeah, that was a really long time ago. I was running around with a girlfriend of mine, and we ran into these boys, and we started talking to them and kind of flirting with them a little bit, and then as we were leaving, I heard them say, yeah, that blonde one, she's really cute, but that other one, she's ugly. My hair wasn't blonde, so I knew he was talking about me. And those words have repeated in my head for years. Here's an analogy that James gives us of the severe impact our words can have. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And think about that. When you hear about a forest fire that burns hundreds, even thousands of acres of land, and the investigators come in and they start looking for a cause, often it was from one small spark, a spark that does great damage. And that is what happens with our tongues when we fail to tame them. One of the biggest mistakes we can make is to think our words have no value in somebody else's life. James goes on to tell us the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The tongue corrupts the whole body. All the good that we do can be wiped out by words that have burned someone. Words that we use can set the course of someone's life on fire. And so is that the fire of enthusiasm when someone is inspired by the words we've said? Or are they burned by our words? and changes the course of their life. Our words have the power to hurt and the power to heal. In Romans 15, we read that we are all to have one voice. And what is that one voice supposed to do? So with that one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. We are to glorify God with our voice. Now, when our words, when our voice does not glorify God, Jesus says that's because there's something 
in our heart. That what lives in our heart will come out through our words. He says in Matthew chapter 15, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. So have you ever been around someone who's so sweet and so kind all the time and then you hear them cuss out a sales clerk? Or have you ever been in a car with a coworker who's normally so patient and gentle and then they lay on the horn and they use one of these five things in a way it wasn't supposed to be used? Or have you ever been to church with someone and then you go to lunch afterwards and they never even talk about the sermon but instead they gossip about everyone they saw? They criticize people's clothes. They complain about the music. The coffee was cold. What does that say about their heart? Now, the tongue is one of the smallest muscles in our body, but it's also one of the strongest, which might be why God caged it in behind our teeth, right? Might wanna think about that before we open our teeth and let that tongue go flying. Let's look, let's look at some more examples from James of what the tongue can do. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Think about that. A tiny piece of metal controls a whole horse. A little piece of plastic can steer a ship. Think about a drop of poison, a bite from a snake. A little pill of cyanide can kill someone instantly. Small words can do great damage. How many relationships have been permanently ruined by words that have been said to someone. I mean, we know we can apologize for things we've said, but we also know they're never really truly forgotten. The person that said them might have forgotten them, but we didn't forget. We might forget why we walked into the room, but we won't forget the hurtful words that were said to us long times ago. And sometimes these words can make such a lasting impression that they change the course of someone's life, just like a rudder can change the course of a boat. So it's time that we embrace a new perspective, that we become determined that our words are going to build up and not tear down, that they will fill others up and not be empty, that they won't condemn, but that they will save, that they will glorify God, they will honor him, and they will be a reflection of our love for Jesus. And that does mean all the words we say, not just the ones when we're in a good mood, but even when we're mad and we're angry, our words will not hurt someone. That our words will still reflect a loving heart and a heart 
that loves Jesus, a heart that shows grace and turns the other cheek or turns to better words. So there's three things that we can do to make sure that our words glorify God. And the first one is so simple and easy. Listen more, talk less. Boy, that does sound easy, doesn't it? But it's not. Because when somebody's talking, what are we normally doing? We're not listening, we're thinking about what we are gonna say next. Yeah, we all, we all do that. But the power of listening can overcome the power of what we are about to say. Now we, we know Jesus said great words, but he was also a great listener. He would listen to people. Even when his disciples were trying to move him along, Jesus would listen. We read in Matthew 15, as Jesus was walking along, a Canaanite woman came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And so what happened? His disciples urged Jesus, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. But in this situation, and in every situation, Jesus stopped and he listened to her. He fully listened. He didn't interrupt her. He just listened to what she had to say. And he always did that. He listened to the woman at the well. He listened to the little children when they came up to him. He listened to the blind man, the man with leprosy, the Nicodemus. Jesus always listened because he knew the best way to hear someone is to listen to them. Listening is the first thing we can do to glorify God. Words do hurt, but when we are listening, we are more likely to reply with words that can heal. Now the next thing that we can do is to have a gracious spirit and not a critical spirit. And a critical spirit is easy to recognize. It's the person who's always complaining, always griping, always grumbling. They're always negative, half-empty kind of person. And they're always finding fault with someone else while ignoring that plank in their own eye. James describes the type of person this is as a restless evil full of deadly poison. Right now, you're probably thinking about someone that's just like that. Someone who's always spewing venom. Someone who's negative all the time. They have that reputation for having a critical spirit. But I want you to think about someone who has a gracious spirit. Someone who's always uplifting someone who's always positive, somebody who's always seeing the brighter side of things, someone who always has a kind word to say in all circumstances, someone who has control over their tongue. And the Apostle Paul tells us how to be that kind of person with a gracious spirit he says in Colossians 3, therefore, as God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And the more we can tame that poisonous tongue, the more we can clothe ourselves with that compassion and kindness, and the more we will be known as having a gracious spirit and not a critical one. James lays it all out there when he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. And so why is that? We can tame animals to live inside our houses. We can tame horses to ride on the backs of them. We can tame lions to jump through hoops in the circus. But we can't tame our own tongue. If we are to have a gracious spirit, we must learn to tame that tongue and choose our words carefully. Now, Toby Mack is a contemporary Christian singer that many of you may know. And he wrote a song a while back called Speak Life. Now, Pastor Phil often sings lyrics. I'm not going to do that because you might not come back to church if I were to sing to you. So instead, I'm just going to read some of these lyrics, but I want you to listen. Look into the eyes of the brokenhearted. Watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope. Hope will fall like rain when you speak life with the words you say. Raise your thoughts a little higher. Use your words to inspire. Joy will fall like rain when you speak life with the things you say. Speak life. And if you are speaking life into someone, you can't have a critical spirit. Speaking life requires that you have that gracious spirit. Now more on this will come next week when Pastor Phil concludes this series on words when he talks about those words of life. So make sure you join us for that. When we have a critical spirit, our words do hurt, but words will speak life into someone if we can have that gracious spirit and then our words are going to heal. Now, the last thing that we can do to help us use our words to glorify God is probably the most important one, and that is to lean into the Holy Spirit before speaking, right? And we've all heard of that pause. Pause before you say something. Pause before you hit send on that email or that text. In that moment of pausing, the Holy Spirit is there to help us, to lead us in to the words that can heal. And the more we lean into that spirit, the easier it's going to get. That spirit will help us from using negative words, ill-chosen words, if we stop and listen. One of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity is in that ability to control our tongue, to realize that we don't have to argue with every person we disagree with. We don't have to post our opinion on everything on social media, especially 
when we know it's gonna stir up controversy, the evidence of our spiritual maturity will be in that ability to control our tongue. James asks us, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Are your words producing that fresh water? Can you call yourself a devoted follower of Jesus and continually harm someone with the words you use? Just as a fig tree cannot bear olives, a Christian should not be able to speak praise to God in one minute and spew venom the next. We tame our tongues when we learn to lean into the Spirit. The Spirit who was given to us to guide us, who will nudge us when we are about to say the wrong thing. You know how it feels when you you hear that voice in the back of your head that says, don't say it. And if your spouse isn't there to give you a little elbow to make sure that you don't, The spirit is there in your head saying, wait, don't do it. Speak better. And that's the voice we need to listen to. Words do hurt, but words can heal. Are you choosing words that are continually hurting someone or are you choosing words that are gonna heal someone? Are you spending more time talking or more time listening? Do you have a critical spirit or are you known by a gracious spirit? James doesn't want us to forget that we have an obligation to tame our tongues. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, This should not be. When we are choosing our words, what we should be focusing on is the fruit of the Spirit, that joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and especially self-control. Healing words are just so much better than those hurting words, aren't they? Let's make sure that the words that people remember from us, the words that stay stuck in their head that we've said, the words that people associate with someone who says they are Christian, that they are healing words. I am here for you. How can I help you? You matter. You matter to me. I care about you. And Jesus, he loves you. Words do heal. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you help us to learn 
to always represent you, not just in our actions, but in the words that we speak. May we listen to the Spirit guiding us when we speak so that we are always encouraging, always helping, and always healing with the things that we say. Father, give us an awareness of how we sound when we are talking to others so that we can be healing with our words and not hurting. May we all develop that gracious spirit and to rid ourselves of that desire to be critical. Father God, may we speak life into others with the words we use and learn to tame our tongue in all circumstances. Father God, we pray all these things in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.